Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. Well, we are, uh, we are taking these next two weeks as we get ready to transition to Centerpoint to take the opportunity to press into the theme that is being preached on through all the Centerpoint campuses starting this week, a theme of encounter. <clears throat> and I want to begin this morning by telling you a story about something that happened a long time ago at 3 a.m. on New Year's Day, 1739. And the Holy Spirit had fallen down on a group of people that had come together in an all-night prayer meeting in Fetter Lane, London. Someone that was there said the power of God came mightily upon us. That someone happened to be John Wesley. <clears throat> and he recorded in his journal, insomuch that many cried out for exceeding joy and many fell to the ground. Echoing the experience of those who were propelled out of the upper room in Jerusalem to preach the gospel, John Wesley, too, was propelled out of that prayer room to London, or that prayer room in London, to ride 125,000 miles preaching the gospel. That's 125,000 miles on the back of a horse. His brother Charles Wesley began writing would amounted to 6,000 hymns. And their 25-year-old friend who happened to be someone somewhat significant, George Whitfield, crossed the Atlantic to stir the fires of America's first great awakening, catching the attention of all sorts of people, Ben Franklin and others who were amazed at the message that was coming and his ability to preach the gospel. The world would never be the same again. This was all part of the great awakening. And if there's ever a time that we need a great awakening, I think we would all agree that now's the time. I think we need to have an encounter with God personally, corporately, and in every other way possible that is probably unlike anything that any of us have ever experienced in all of our lives. And we've all had opportunities. We've all had encounters with God. But this is the time we really need to have an encounter. Would you agree? One person agrees. Let's try that again. This is the time we really need to have an encounter. And it's an encounter with God that produces passion for the kingdom. We are seeking to start this new year with this fresh encounter with God, prayer and passion linked with God, and trusting and expecting that it will yield significant breakthroughs. I just want to ask you this morning as we begin, you don't need to raise your hand with this, but what areas in your life do you need God to give you a breakthrough? What areas in your family do you need God to give you a breakthrough? What areas in your community, in your school, in your workplace, do you need to see God come through with a breakthrough? And it's in those areas that you are the most passionate about, that you are trusting God the most to come through, that we want to press into Him and experience an encounter with Him to help us with that breakthrough and that passion that is stirring us. And let that be the fuel 
for the prayer and the seasons of prayer that we are in, enter into in over these next several days and the next few weeks. Prayer and fasting, that's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about prayer, but we're also talking about fasting. Someone has said that prayer and fasting is a key to discovering your passion and purpose which activate the inner drive necessary to fulfill your God-given dreams. Prayer and fasting ultimately are about a regular encounter with God. It's about recalibrating everything and pivoting to the place where we, we believe, we really believe what we just sang, that there is nothing better than Him. And that's what we want to do in this season. And as we do that, I want you to think with me, Crossroads family, think about some of those encounters that we've had that have all been birthed in prayer over the last several years. Some of the prayer nights, all of the prayer nights that we've had over the last several years have been some of the most significant times for our church. And I don't think it's a coincidence that our last prayer night that we had was right after we had made a decision to partner with and explore the possibility of becoming a campus of Centerpoint. And it was at that prayer night, if some of you will remember, that Tom Walsh and his wife came from Kings Park to be with us that night. That was the first time we met anybody besides Brian McMillan. Thank God we met somebody else besides Brian. I'm just kidding. You can go ahead and tell him I said that too. But it was at that time that God, it was in those seasons that God broke out in such significant ways. There were several men that last year at the men's retreat that we had together, we had such great times of prayer and breakthrough. And who can forget the seasons, the day that we drove one February day, I think it was a February morning where the snow was starting to come down and we, a group of us drove to Flatlands, Brooklyn. Some of you remember that? And we drove to Flatlands and we prayed over the church. We prayed over Paul Glover. I got to stand in the pulpit and preach in a place where my great-grandfather, eight generations back, had been part of in the, all, all the revival that took place in Manhattan through the Dutch Reformed Church. And it was in that season of prayer, it was when Vijay stood in front of their choir of four African-American women and he prayed for the choir that it changed worship in that place. And it was because you guys were faithful when we went to uh, Massapequa Reformed. MRC, we went there that day and I asked you to go out among the congregation and pray over the congregation. And then we had the opportunity to go to New Life. And Hannah had been asked to lead worship and Scott was going to be out of town, Scott Reese was going to be out of town, so I ended up preaching and our worship team led worship. And then once again, you faithfully went out and you have been prayer warriors in all of those settings. And God brought significant breakthrough in each of those churches because of our faithfulness. And so it's time for us to once again press into having an encounter with God so we learn as much as we can about partnering with Him and what this next season looks like. He wants us all to be available and open to hear His passion in prayer that, that He desires to share with each one of us. I want you to realize that there's, there's something specific in the next 21 days that God wants to share with each one of us that's, that's specifically individually tailored to you. It has your name. It has your stamp on it. God has it prepared like a, like a Christmas gift to hand to you. 
But the part that you have to play is to partner with Him. And you're in, enter into a season of intense prayer and Scripture reading and fasting and pressing into Him. So as we think about that this this morning, I want you to just be thinking about the kinds of things that you need to pivot from that distract you in different ways so that you are more focused and have put the blinders on so that there is nothing better than Him. I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that comes to us in Nehemiah chapter 9. And I want us to look at the first 15 verses and then I want to just highlight a few things out of the first part of this passage. If you remember, this is in the season after Nehemiah had come and built up, helped the, the people of Israel build the walls of Jerusalem back up after they had been torn down after exile. And then he, he has taken the people through all of this and then they have this corporate gathering. And it says in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1, Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood Jeshua and then a bunch of other Levites whose name end with Aniah. And they said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. And I want you to notice something as we begin to read verse 6. Notice the number of times that Nehemiah in this prayer specifically turns everyone's attention to God by saying, you, you did this, you did this, you did that, you came and did this again, you came and moved here, you came and moved here. Watch what happens, starting with verse 6. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is in it, is, is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you have kept your promises, for you are righteous. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and you heard their cry at the Red Sea. And you performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers. And you made a name for yourself, as it is to this day. And you divided the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And you cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them, command, 
commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. Pretty easy to see who the subject of this story is. He's the subject. And we have the privilege to partner with him. It's interesting that this is one of three recorded national prayers that Israel participate in. Daniel 9, Ezra 9, and Nehemiah 9. And interestingly enough, this is the the longest recorded prayer in all of the Bible. We're not going to take time to look at all of this prayer, but I want to bring out some things that are significant for us to see. It follows the Feast of Booths or the Tabernacles, which was observed for the first time by Israel for many years. It was the celebration following the recovery of the city of Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the walls, the resetting of the gates, the restoring of order and some degree of prosperity to the city. And so God had given them all those victories, but Nehemiah now leads the people corporately to say, look, look what happened And let's pray to the Lord that this would never, ever happen again. So then he takes them through a review of their history to remind them how the people of Israel had slipped away from their first call and how they they failed in being faithful to what God had called them to. He takes them all the way back to the creation story and says, Lord, you you are the Lord alone. You're the one that made heaven. You're the one we depend on. And then he goes to the call of Abraham and he reminds him of the call and he reminds them of how God led them through the exodus, exodus and he gives them the privilege of getting through the wilderness to the other side and to conquer the land that God had promised them. And then he reminds them of the period of the judges. Just a few of you will remember how we had a Christmas caroling opportunity in the neighborhood around here that I call the period of the judges caroling. (laughs) Remember how judges ends? It ends with the statement, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's what we did that night when we walked around our neighborhood. But he reminds them, everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. And because of that, we were captured and taken into exile. And then we needed the prophets to come and speak to us. And therefore, we come to this day. And we need to repent for the sins of our fathers. And we need to confess for the, of the sin that's in our own hearts. And we need to take a look and see if there's anything left that remains there. Because we don't want to take that baggage with us ever again. And so he gives them five steps Five steps in these first few verses of what to do to get ready. And this, this, this encounter comes through prayer and fasting. And if there's ever a time we're in a place just like the people of Israel were, I think it's that time. So the first thing that they did, if you look at the first verse again, they humbled themselves. Now on the 24th day of, the, of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting 
and in sackcloth and the earth on their heads. Self-humbling postures us before God. So whatever you need to do over the next 21 days, whether there's things that you need to give up, whether it's food, whether it's social media, whether it's TV, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Amazon Prime, whether it's whatever it is, whether if it's a newspaper, if it's something that takes your focus away from the Lord just even a little bit, this is the time for us to posture ourselves before Him. Maybe what it means is we get on our knees more than we've ever gotten on our knees before. The story of people in the early church was they had calluses on their knees because of the times they spent in prayer. An outward demonstration of deep mourning and heaviness of heart that they carried. And if, if there's anything that can give us heaviness of heart, it's been the year that we've gone through. 2020. Not only the pandemic, but just all the political turmoil and upheaval that's involved. It's a season of time for us to, as God's people, to posture ourselves before Him. There are times that we feel as though our prayers are not, gonna, are not being answered, and we've had probably a list of those this year. And perhaps for some of us, there are things that we have been praying and praying that there would be a breakthrough, and we are in dire need of a breakthrough. And so this is the time for us to place ourselves in a posture of prayer and, prayer and fasting as keys to the answer of humbling ourselves before God. Now the question of what fasting is exactly, it just simply is abstaining from food or something else for a period of time. Most of us know that. And God leads us into a fast like this in order to break strongholds and bad habits and ungodly patterns and unhealthy appetites. But not just to get rid of the negative stuff, but as Paul says in Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's the opportunity for us to be as clear as we could ever be. It's the opportunity to have God reveal to us things that we've never seen before as He opens up the Scriptures to us in a fresh new way. I just want to encourage you to expect that to happen. I want to encourage you to, as you read the Scriptures over the next three weeks, some passages that you probably have read a hundred times, I want you to expect that they're going to jump off the page. And you'll see things that you haven't seen ever before in all of your life. Remember that Jesus is our example of a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. Jesus is our example of fighting spiritual warfare with fasting and prayer. And remember at the start of His ministry, He fasted for 40 days in the wilderness while being tempted by Satan in order to defeat the temptations that He brought to not deter Him from the purpose and passion of His ministry. And when we fast, we're seeking the Lord with humility. We're not doing it out of this mandatory duty. No one's going to be calling you and checking with you to see how many meals you've given up and what you're trying to do to fast and all those kinds of things. We're not going to hand out a grading sheet at the end of 21 days and, to, and, and find out how you've been doing all of this. This is all between you and the Lord. This is not how you fast. It's, it's important about where your heart's at. 
and what you commit yourself to. So what I'm asking you to do today is to think about what it is the Lord would ask you to commit yourself to over these next three weeks. And then whatever He puts on your heart, that's what you need to commit yourself to. Now as I mentioned, we are partnering as we move into becoming a campus of Centerpoint with Centerpoint's series and theme during this time. And if you go to, and, and Amy, you can put this up on the screen right now. If you go to this, this site, and I think I put it in an email I sent out to you this week as well, there is a devotional. There are little video clips. In fact, Scott has a really excellent video that he did talking about uh, what fasting is and what it's not and how we're not supposed to be walking around, you know, I, I get a kick out of that Nehemiah passage that they had the earth on their head. You know, it's like, that's an interesting picture. I mean, really, no one's supposed to even know you're fasting is what it boils down to. And so I want to encourage you to take a look at that and use the opportunities that's afforded to all of us. But let me give you a few more things. There's number two and three. The people of Israel during this time separated themselves to see God clearly. Verse 2, the beginning part of the verse says, and the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners. Separation positions us in alignment with God. So it's really not pointing at people and saying, you're a foreigner, or you're someone, you're an alien, I need to get away from you. It's, it's basically saying anything that is alien or foreign to God's ways in my life, I need to separate myself from. So it's not polluting what God is trying to do in my life. So we need to separate ourselves from the, the world and the world's perspective so we're not relating to things from earth to heaven, but from heaven to earth. That's what separation really means. And then in addition to that, they confess their sins. The second part of verse 2 says, And they stood and they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. You know, I do a lot of counseling, and uh, I do a fair amount of marriage counseling, and I can't believe how many times these words come out of my mouth. When, when couples are in conflict, I'll say, have you ever heard the idea of keeping a short account? You cannot believe how many couples go, no, I'm not sure what that means. I say, obviously. Obviously you don't know what that means. So this is a time of confession. It's a time of confessing before the Lord. And, you know, we're going to take communion in a few minutes. It's certainly a time to make sure that we have clear uh, relationships with one another, that we have short accounts with each other. It's a time to clean things up in our own relationships and relationships with our families in, in any area of our life. It's time to clean things up with a friend that maybe you haven't called for a long time because you and that friend had a a breakdown in communication, and you need to reach out to them. Someone said, do not expect God to cover what you are not willing to uncover. Isaiah said, your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. Separation is a way of getting in line with what God is saying and doing. So we separate, we confess our sins, our sins are confessed and they confront us with our limitations and our frailties. I, I tell you, 
if there's one thing we have learned this year, it is that we don't all know what we think we know. Would you agree? I'm going to be really careful. I'm just going to step on this for just a minute. The experts don't all know what they think they know. Would you agree? I mean, this is a year that we have found out how ignorant we really are about some things. And so we recognize in this season how limited and frail we really are. We are just, we are just a breath away from life being over. And so we recognize, Lord, if it isn't for you, it's in you we move and live and have our being. And then the last two things are these. They read lots of Scripture. Scripture read prepares us for the road ahead. Verse 3, the beginning part says, And they stood up in their place, and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. They read for three hours about the sins of their fathers, and then they confessed for three hours doing the same awful deeds. So I have an announcement. Next Sunday we're going to meet at 10 o'clock. We'll be here till at least 1. No, I'm just kidding. But that's really what they're talking about, is committing that kind of time together. And they spend time reading the Scriptures. And by reading the Scriptures, we remember God's promises and how God's people have handled His promises and how God has responded to His people on whether they handled them well or not so well. So during this season of time, use your Bible app. Use, there are so many plans on there. I bet you there are a thousand plans on the Bible app that's available on your phone or your iPad. Use those plans and take time to immerse yourself in the Scriptures. And then finally, they worship God. Worship expressed magnifies God's ability and His willingness to partner with us. The end of verse 3, it says, For another quarter of it they made confession and they worshiped the Lord their God. I don't know if you noticed that we sang an extra song this morning. That was by design. Because we're, we're going we're gonna to worship. We wanted to make sure we worship these last two Sundays as Crossroads Church. Not because there won't be any worship at Center Point, but because worship has been a priority for all of us. And I want you to notice they confessed and they worshiped. They confessed and they worshiped. I want you to get that picture. It isn't confession and belly button gazing and going, oh God, oh God. It's why, it's why I emphasized in the, the prayer that Nehemiah moves from, oh Lord, to you are able to do everything. So it's moving from confession to worship. So we make sure that our perspective is not coming from our own silly, frail ideas. This prayer included 20 sins of Israel. But if you go through the prayer, there are 74 facts about God as the subject of the story. So as we get ready for communion this morning, I was remembering this week as I was thinking about this message, something I've told you about before. As Crossroads grows through a transition, as Kathy and I get ready to go through a transition, I'm always mindful of the fact that my life is directed by the Lord because it was birthed in prayer. Not my prayers, but 
remembering day after day when I was when I was the age of the Conrad's kids and the Leonard's kids being at my grandparents' house. And listening to my grandma and my grandfather in, in the living room as they were on their knees praying for all of their grandkids. And it doesn't matter how long we've been doing this, everybody. There is nothing like a fresh encounter with God. Would you agree? Now I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you would like to have a fresh encounter with God in this year? Some of you got two hands raised. Two hands, two legs, two feet. Every appendage that you can, you're raising to the Lord. May God give us the opportunity to draw closer to Him. When I have the worship team come, and as they're getting ready to come, just bow your heads with me as I pray. Father, help us to take advantage of this opportunity that we have. And give us, Lord, would you give us the privilege to have a fresh encounter with you? We ask in your name. Amen. Did everybody get something for communion here? Raise your hand if you did not get a little communion item and Jay's, Jay can pass that to you. If you'll prepare and take off the top part so you have the bread. I think it's significant to start the season with communion. Because it's in the broken body of Jesus that we receive the nourishment and strength that we need. So Lord, we want to take this bread that we have in our hands and we ask that you would bless it. And bless it so that we have a close encounter with you. Let's receive the bread. Then we take the cup And the blood washes away everything. What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So anything that gets in the way of an encounter with God gets washed away as we receive the cup. So Lord, we pray that you would bless the cup this morning and wash away everything that doesn't represent you in our lives. We ask in your name. Amen. Receive the cup. Let's stand together and sing, everybody. The Lord is faithful, isn't he? He's always faithful to us. And we never have to be afraid to go wherever he leads us to go. I want to encourage you to hold out your hands, and I just want to have the opportunity to bless you as you go into this week of receiving an encounter with God. Lord, I just pray over your people this morning that you would bless them with a significant sense of your presence and your grace and your mercy. Cause your face 
to turn towards them and give them an increasing measure of your grace and turn the light of the countenance of your face. Renew their relationship with you and let them experience the peace and the shalom of God in the midst of all that's going on around us. Grace and peace be extended to everyone as you go. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.